Hello and welcome to Season 9. Season 9 of From the Recurring. My name is John. Uh, with me is Mike. I'm still here. Hello. <laughs> and Jason. Good afternoon. Uh, and as always, for the last nine seasons, uh, this has been our take on life as a Watford fan. Uh, uh, but t- today we have uh, been England fans, uh, united, Michael, uh, as England have uh, beaten Sweden 2-0. Serene progress through the semi-finals. It's quite a bizarre afternoon wasn't it just it felt like a consummate performance the one that we've always wanted from Watford that we've always asked from Watford throughout the seasons we got it from uh, from an even more unlikely source in England this afternoon yeah they made it through the semi-finals absolutely delighted sun shining bowls of ice cream flowing all over the place magnificent uh, it is a we had a barbecue around here and uh, what this will not be this is not a world cup podcast well well, well maybe uh, we're going to hear from some of the from the Ukraine family who are out in Russia uh, a bit later on uh, but Jason uh, the new season has Sort of started, let's say, before the uh, the old one with the World Cup's finished. Because Watford are back in training. Back in training and back in business on the transfer market yeah. as well. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that later. So, yeah, it, again, it does feel a bit weird, doesn't it? When we're all sort of focusing on England and then sort of every so often transfer news or pictures of the boys back in training is coming through, pictures of the new kit, etc., etc. And you're kind of getting excited for the new season, but obviously... At the moment, 80% focus is definitely on the World Cup. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about those new signings. Uh, we're going to talk about this season ahead. Jason has uh, put his prediction hat on. Uh, we know he's very good at these predictions, if you listen to the podcast over, over the last few years. Uh, he's actually mapped out the entire season uh, and where we're going to end up. We'll see how Mike feels about the season ahead. Uh, maybe sort of preempt uh, some moans and groans that might come up over the next few months. Uh, plus, we'll look at those new signings, as Jason said, uh, as well as speak to our friends who are out there uh, in the World Cup. Uh, so come on, it's a new season. Let's crack on. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Jason, you have uh, gone through all 38 games of, uh, of Watford season and you have given us a, uh, a result. Mike, um, to be fair, over nine years that we do this podcast, uh, you're the pessimistic, the, the, the moaner of the group, yeah? Yeah, when, and I'll be proved right this year when we finish bottom of the table. <laughs> well... Let's see where Jason puts us. Was Jason realistic? Was he pessimistic? Was he optimistic? Uh, we're going to go through the season uh, in, in different sections. And Mike, we're going to see how you feel as we go throughout this I, season. I haven't seen any of these results. No, so no. But this is, I'm really genuinely excited. <laughs> it's like I get, get to go, yeah, cool, bring it on. We're going to see the whole lot of the season in about 10 minutes. Do I need to change into my lucky pants? Though? I need to go through all my pre-match rituals first. Hang on. When we get to September. Uh, so Watford, uh, the, the first few games, uh, we're going to sort of take breaks throughout the season. International breaks help. So let, let's talk about when the sun shines. Uh, Jason, we start the season with a home game against Brighton and Hove Albion. How's it going to go? We, it, like you say, it's going to be a nice sunny day and I think there'll be a nice sunny performance to match. I think we're going to start with a 2-0 win and no red cards, hopefully. <laughs> oh, well, that be, yes! I guess... Yes! Come on! And then away at Burnley. Yeah, European t- club Burnley. How are we going to go? That is very important, the, uh, the European thing. You know, the sort of smaller sides, how they struggle and they suffer when they go and play in the Europa, Europa League. They got a tricky tie against Aberdeen. <laughs> I, I almost started to a Scottish accent and then they sort of gave up at the ah. Uh, so, so apologies for that. Um, and I think we're going to take advantage and Andy Lewis is going to break his northwest duck. Oh. A 2-0 win at Turf Moor. You've taken leave of your senses, man. <laughs> Two wins on the trot. Uh, we get, we, then you go down for a 1-1 draw at home to Crystal Palace. There will be a penalty, of course. Uh, but the first big club uh, we, we get involved with, Tottenham Hotspur. How are we going to do against Tottenham Hotspur? We had our chance to beat him last year and I think that's it. That's it done now for a few more seasons. That'll be it. A, a 2-0 defeat at home to the Spurs. 
That takes us to the first international break. Mark, you know, first four games of the season, two wins, a draw and a loss. How are you feeling? Seven points. Incredibly happy because <laughs> um, my big concern about this year is the start. Because I, I think if I am not looking forward to the year or I worry about the year and Watford have a slow start because I think that's when we'll really potentially find ourselves in trouble. Um, but luckily this year we've had another strong start so uh, <laughs> I can shelve those fears for another year, um, get a cigar and put my feet up. This is looking like a magnificent season. Come on, you want it. The next block, uh, Manchester United, Fulham, Arsenal, Bournemouth. Jason, how are we going to do? Well, start off, Man United at home. It'll be a 3-1 defeat. We'll score a goal. It'll probably be a penalty against the Haya. Probably Troy scoring it, who knows? But it, it will end in a, in a 3 1 defeat. Uh, and then on to Fulham. Uh, Fulham still struggling to adjust to Premier League life uh, and will nick a 1 0 win at the cottage. Skipping over League Cup 3 because obviously we'll have gone out in the <laughs> second round to Bedman Sports and Social or someone. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so straight on to Arsenal, where we'll concede an early goal, like we do, and end up losing about 3 0. Okay, and then finally, Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth at home, it'll be a one-all draw and Eddie Howe will tell everyone that the ref robbed them. So only four points in that little run, Mike. Four points. Uh, a loss away against Arsenal. How are you feeling now? Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm still pleased because just I'm still delighted about that uh, win away at Burnley, to be honest. That's sort of still <laughs> keeping me through this next tough break because because of what that means, obviously. We've broken our away scoring uh, hoodoo this season with, uh, with Summer Plum, haven't we? So we went the best part of... Uh, well, we we still haven't scored since the first was it the early January away from home, but uh, yeah, so there's some decent results there. I'd like us to turn in a good performance against uh, against Tottenham. I think Jace was a bit uh, a bit uh, he threw that one away a bit too uh, too much for my liking. I think they'll still have a bit of a World Cup hangover because uh, by the looks of it, Harry Kane's going to be uh, on his World Cup winners tour for at least the next sort of uh, month or so. But that, that game is in the first of September. That's when he starts scoring goals, unfortunately. Yeah. So any August he doesn't score goals. If that happens, I think that'll be a decent. That'd be a really good start, wouldn't it? A really good start. And um, if that came to pass, so just you know, the other thing that I do worry about is our away form. And I think if we can address that early, then that will allay a lot of the more pessimistic, if you like, um, or pragmatic or realistic uh, supporters like me. If we can get some good early results away from home, and it does go down to sort of Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, you don't expect anything against those sides. Even the most optimistic or wildly. Um, I don't know, you, you just don't expect anything in those games, do you? But if we're getting those points that Chase highlights, then all for it. And joking aside, we will have to. If this season's going to pan out to be anything like we want it to, the games that Chase has got us getting points, we just there's no option. You have to pick those points up. But so far, so good. I'm pleased for Javi Gracia as well. Yeah. Uh, October, November time. We won't be in League Cup 4, unfortunately. Uh, but Wolverhampton, newly promoted, away game. Newly promoted. It'll be tricky and it'll be back to the wall stuff, but I think we'll nick a point, a nil-nil draw there. Hard fought, but we'll, we'll get a point. Followed up by Huddersfield at home. Retribution. 3-0 win. Oh, yes. Newcastle away. Long trip away. Will we get anything? No, the runs will come to an end. It'll be pygmies in the land of giants there. <laughs> a 2-0 uh, a defeat. Uh, but then followed up by another away uh, game at Southampton. They probably won't have sacked Mark Hughes by then, so we'll win that 1 2 1. Very good, Michael. We do like a trip to St. Uh, St. Mary's. We've only lost one there against Newcastle. Are you still buoyant after the Burnley game? I think so. We've got a running total of points of, uh, of what we're on. 18 points so far? Yeah, I think that's decent enough, isn't it? Right. Uh, gutted about the League Cup, though. Come on, lads. <laughs> Um, we've got some, some big games coming up uh, in, in the next section, particularly one that isn't against a big club necessarily, but it'll be big in passion. Liverpool at home. Can we see a repeat of our first season in the Premier League, Jason? No, we no. lose 3-1. Um, probably Salah. 
doing something good. Uh, Leicester away. Any chance of grabbing something off them even though they do have uh, Maguire in defence? Yeah, one all draw. (laughs) (laughs) Man City at home. Can we do any better than the huge defeats we've had in the last couple of seasons? Well, by this stage of the season, excuse me, City will be in disarray. Pep sacked with his side only in second place at the end of November. So he managed to restrict them to four goals and we only lose 4-0. Oh, that's that's better, I suppose. Uh, And finally, the big one. This is where we are going to be uh, you know, re- first match up with Mr. Marco Silva away at Everton. Well, the good news is Everton are now in disarray because Silva refuses to distance himself from the City job that's just become available. <laughs> <laughs> but typical Watford, we give them a late winner. We lose 2 1. So, Mike, the first meeting up with Marco Silva was as a 2 1 defeat away at Everton. Is, is that okay? Not really. I just want to beat them. I want to beat everyone, you know me. Yeah, yeah, um, but we've got to beat everybody. Yeah, it's going to be a big game for us, I think, isn't it? Whichever way you slice and dice it, everyone's going to be up for it. They're going to be up for it. Everton like to remind us that they're a bigger club than us, but they'll be delighting at the opportunity to, to put us in our place. We'll be delighting in the opportunity to, to, uh, to prove ourselves right and uh, take some points off uh, Marcus Silva. What I would like to say at this point is ask maybe Jason, you guys have had the chance to study this, who are the teams that are struggling this year? Because I'm going to be fascinated no, to see no, Jason's, only, get on. Jason's only looked at the Watford. He knows. No, he knows. Oh, who, who's struggling, Jason? Who's going to struggle? I, th- I think Fulham will probably struggle. Uh, I think Huddersfield will struggle this season. Um, and, and I do think Southampton will struggle. I, I've joked about Hughes and possibly getting the sack. And I think they'll have a, they'll have a difficult season again um, with him at the helm. So we head into the Christmas period. Here we go. Here we go. Difficult time Where of year, as we will know. We're, we're at we're home. Two points for the, next, for the rest of the season. We're, uh, one, where's our one win coming from from now on? The first game at home to Cardiff City. Jason. Well, unfortunately, Warnock's long gone. He's busy rescuing Forest, Birmingham, Wednesday or Villa from the depths of the championship, <laughs> which, whichever one comes calling first. Uh, so Cardiff are struggling alongside him and uh, we beat them 2-0. Away at West Ham. Not getting our annual West Ham win just yet. We lose 2-0. Mm, that's great. Chelsea at home. Boxing Day. A, a day where, you know, maybe meant this happened the day before. Will we see a, a, a ding-dong game uh, at Vicarage Road? No, everyone's eating too much turkey. 0-0. Oh, OK. Uh, and then the last game of 2018 is a home game against Newcastle. And remember, of course, we lost 2-0 away at them earlier on in the season. How do we go, do against Newcastle at home? Well, we all love a local festive fixture, so we're, we're going to win that one 3-1. Oh, end of the year, Michael. Decent. How many points are we on, remind me? 26. 26, I think that's, uh, that's fine. It seems like we've had a much more even spread of decent results. Uh, we've got a bit of consistency. Uh, I'd like to see us picking up points in what I see as winnable games away at, away at Everton and perhaps do a little bit better away at Newcastle. But, you know, these are, these are decent sides. They're having a good year this year. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to be too picky. I think if we can hit the, uh, the end of the year in that sort of shape, I'll be, I'll be pretty happy. Well, you know, ultimately, I think we've still got plenty to build on, haven't we, at, at Watford? It's still, we're still quite a long way from the finished article in terms of a Premier League side. We've all been... We've been too close for comfort, I think, for the last couple of years. Scott chastised me for saying we were... Uh, he told me not to be nervous because he said we've never been anywhere near the relegation zone. I maintain for the past three seasons, we've probably been one defeat away from an incredibly tough battle. So um, I think we have to be realistic going into this season. And if it pans out like um, Mystic J suggests here, I think I'll be all right with that. That sounds good. 2019 starts with an away game at Bournemouth. Any luck? 
on the coast? No chance. I mean, who goes to the seaside on New Year's Day? <laughs> Two nil defeat. Mm. Uh, there's the FA Cup in between this, but let's continue just with the league look. Uh, uh, an away game at Crystal Palace. Well, if they haven't sold Zaha by now, he'll probably be injured. It's all that time of the season gets injured, so we're going to nick a 1-0 win there. Ooh, brilliant. Home game, Burnley. Can we keep going with the great run that we've had against them since August? Absolutely. They're wilting because they probably already have played 102 games by this stage, <laughs> and uh, we'll beat them 2-0. Oh, what a wonderful time. Uh, and then we finish January with an away game at the brand-new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Will we get them at their new place? No, 4-0 defeat. It's going to be messy, not the Argentinian kind. It sounds similar, but maybe a little bit better than recently, that, that January run. Yeah, we, uh, the, win, the win away at Palace was, uh, was very welcome, but all jokes aside, this, is, this will be the proof of the pudding, won't it? And the, the, we'll be eating it in, in January. We have to, if we're going to develop as a football club, if we're going to relax and enjoy the season and start looking forward to support, this is the period we need to do well in. And, you know, historically, those home games, like you know, we've lost to, we've lost at home to Stoke. We've made hard work at games against West Brom, for example. I know we beat them last year. But beating Burnley at home, getting something from, from Palace away, get, dealing with Huddersfield at home, these are the ones that are going to make and break our season. And uh, I'm glad to hear that we've done it. Well done, Watford. Keep well, it up. Well, we are only on 32 points. We're still eight points away. We do have a lot of games to go in this season, Michael. 32 points, eight to go. Uh, and we start February. Brighton, Everton, Cardiff City, Liverpool. Anything, Jason? Brighton away, one all, and probably last on match of the day. Yeah. Uh, Everton. Marco's long gone, thus depriving us of <laughs> celebrating a victory against him, the selfish bastard. <laughs> 2 1 win. Uh, Cardiff away, uh, Watford win in Europe for the second season of succession, 1 0. <laughs> and Liverpool away, a 5 0 defeat at least. Ooh, Mike? Fine, all right. For <laughs> you. Right. Uh, then we move through to March, Leicester uh, at home. 1 0 again. Yeah. They, they won the league once, you know. <laughs> Manchester City away. Well, we've now hit the magic 40 points, Mark, so it doesn't matter. We lose 4-0. Oh, OK. Uh, Southampton. Um, Southampton at home. 0-0. Turgid. <laughs> Manchester United away. Anything? Can we beat a big club? No, we rue a few missed chances and end up losing 2-0. Mike? Performances against the big sides are a real pain now for me. <laughs> I know we're safe, but... What letter five and against Man City, four against Man City, five against Liverpool, four against Tottenham. Come on, fellas, we're better than this. Fulham away at Fulham at home. Can we get something from one of these newly promoted teams? Fulham, well, it's good to see him back. He gets a hero's welcome, but then Twitter has a meltdown when he celebrates their late win out one nil Fulham. Mm, damn you, Slav. Uh, home to Arsenal. We've done well against them recently. Any luck here? No, two 0 defeat. No cojones. <laughs> and Huddersfield away. Uh, it's a 3-2 it's a win for the Hornets. It's championship quality and championship entertainment. <laughs> oh, well, we're safe, we're safe now. Enjoyed that Fulham game, 3-2. That's been one of the more... <laughs> Huddersfield, one of the more entertaining fixtures this season. It sounds like our, most of them have been either comfortable for us or, or the opposition. So that was a welcome, uh, a welcome tussle, that one. Good stuff. Let's go. Last three games of the season. Wolverhampton at home. Wolves at home. Well, Wolves are doing a Watford. They've, they've sort of secured safety uh, a few games before. They're now on a Watford-style slide towards the end of the season. We beat them 2-1. Oh, that's quite nice. Um, Chelsea away. Anything, anything. Our last big team of the season. Can we get a big win? Nah, 3-0 defeat. A bridge too far. <laughs> Final game of the season. West Ham United at the Vic. 
Well, I did say we'd get our annual win against them later on, but luckily we beat them in the cup, so this doesn't matter. It's a one-all <laughs> draw, and the most entertaining thing about it is Harry doing that thing with his suitcase. <laughs> so, Mike, we finished the season on 48 points. That's our highest points tally in our recent Premier League time here. We had 40, uh, 41, 40 and 45. We are in ninth place if we go on the results from last year. We ain't in Europe. How are you feeling about Watford's season you've just heard in about 10 minutes? Decent. Incremental improvement. We've got more points. We're higher up the table. Um, we've beaten the teams that we're supposed to, or at least performed better against the teams we're supposed to. The real concern is shipping so much against the big sides. I think we might be able to bloody at least one nose along the way there. I'm surprised that Jace will, I reckon Jace will change his tune the closer we get to the season. He'll expect us to beat one of them. But I think if, if that season pans out like that, that's a season that I guess you could be proud of. One, it sounds like you're going to enjoy. And you get that, you get that improvement that, that we're absolutely desperate for and a bit more consistency. The wins, the results spread out throughout the course of the season. We've developed as a side, solid platform. Can't wait for 2019-20. Bring it on. <laughs> That's Jason's predictions. We'll put them up on uh, from the Uh But uh, he's, he's pretty good with his prediction. So, fingers crossed for another great season for Watford. Mike and Jason have gone for a sit-down because, uh, yeah, that was a long season, um, but we ended up with 48 points, so Mike's quite jubilant, so he's gone for a drink. Uh, joined now by Geordie. Hello. Uh, and Kieran. Hello, I have to say that I've enjoyed you guys being taught the floss dance by your children this <laughs> afternoon. That has made me chuckle. It is uh, the from the weekend barbecue, uh, and uh, as the children get older, we get a little bit more humiliated, but not quite enough yet. We can still put it back on them. Boys, you know, it is a summer. Um, and you know, there's always there's always ins and outs. Mainly though, with Watford, uh, so far it's always been ins. We haven't had particularly any significant outs. If they've gone out, they were already sort of out with Pantelimon and, and Zarati. But once about the, the, the ins in particular and how they sort of uh, they've, they've come out, I've, I've sort of grouped them into to three different categories. First one, uh, Kieran Ben Wilmot, not Gary's son apparently for the fans of 80s entertainment. Um, from Stevenage, very very young centre back. Is, is he a, just purely for the future or can we see something this year? Uh, I think probably one for the future, to be honest, although that is an area of the field that I think we all agreed at the end of last season that we needed to strengthen. So I guess if he can impress during pre-season in the, in the friendlies that we've got, then why not? You know, I like to see young players given an opportunity. We don't have many young English players under, you know, teenagers or, you know, around the early 20s, Mark, other than Nathaniel Chalabar maybe one or two others. So I'd like to see some young English players given a chance. We haven't got many coming through the academy, so I don't see why not. But I, to be honest with you, I think he's probably one for the future. We may well see him go out on loan at some point during the season. He seems to miss the step that Chalabar had, or the many steps that Chalabar had of going out on loan, uh, and also you know, the, the years and experience that Hughes got when he was at Derby. So yeah, I, you're probably right. The, the next group, Geordie, for me though, uh, I call them, they're going to be around the first team, but they probably were brought for being young showing something but let's show a little bit more in the Premier League and we can sell you for a little bit a little bit more than we bought you for which is the sort of the Pozzo style uh, from Bologna uh, Adam Messina uh, as a left back Marco uh, Navarro another right back uh, Ken Semina uh, left winger 
from Sweden. Um, Ken, I don't think that was much of a Swedish name. Uh, and then coming in, who we signed him about five years ago, I think, but finally got his visa uh, earlier this year, uh, Peñaranda, Alberto Peñaranda. Do they feel like players, do you think they're going to get their chance to, to show off this year? Uh, yeah, I think um, I think Messina played Serie A. So, I mean, let's not consider ourselves too far above that. <laughs> uh, I know obviously he didn't get to the World Cup, but I think he's got experience at a decent decent level and it's not exactly a, a position that you need to be uh, the best player in the squad to get into. I think it's a position where we kind of had two options last season that were kind of perhaps not up to the standards either that they'd set in previous seasons or towards the end of the season certainly indicated that we'd need to strengthen. So we've strengthened one, whether we get another left back in who may even be more of a challenge to Messina, but I think he should certainly be looking to break into the team. Uh, uh, Navarro, uh, again, plays top top division in Spain. Uh, I think he was at Barcelona's kind of youth academy then decided to get some first-team action down the road at Espanyol. Um, again, speaking to friends in Spain, they said he's, he was better than Femenia, so... That's that's very good. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's just based on the fact that Firmino wasn't very good in Spain, uh, <laughs> and he came good. So I think it's, it's difficult. You look at some some signings and you expect them to be like Isaac's success. You kind of would have thought, oh, he'll be a good player for us, and then he didn't. And then someone else comes in who you don't expect to be so great. And like, I say Will Hughes, we hoped he'd be good, but he was better than we thought he'd be, and so forth. I think, I think Ken Semmer, which I think is just, um, <laughs> I think it's just a great name. I think I, I think there's not a lot of Kens. I think his 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 ancestry is like. I think it's Congolese or something, like his parents, although he was born in, in Sweden. So, And he was very close to getting into the um, into the World Cup squad. So I guess hopefully we'll be looking back thinking we're yeah, like... World Cup squad that lost today. That's what I mean. So we look back and hope, glad that he didn't get into it. <laughs> but I think I think that that wing position is quite interesting because we've got obviously De La Faye who's come in. But then we've got um, Luca Bacchio who came in and then is in that position too. And just trying to work out the ranking of them. I think be, I don't know, and I wonder if even uh, Gratia knows the, the, the ranking. So Richarlison's probably, if he stays, he's fixed in. De La Feu, he's fixed in. But then the, the other ones, it'd be interesting. And like Burkhouse has shown that you can not make it at Watford, but still play at a decent level abroad. So it's just, I think it's just down to how well they adapt to the to the first team squad to England. But I think certainly the defensive players, um, Messina and Navarro, were bought to be first team players. I think the wingers are kind of either you're either you're brilliant or you're not, you know. So it, fingers crossed they'll be brilliant. We need some options up front though, Jordy. Uh, we'll talk about the the, the place that we're, we're missing maybe, but the t- the two that we already know a little bit about that we've brought in on permanent signings. Uh, one, Jared uh, Delafeu. Uh, you remember him from a few games last year, and then uh, a man from a few more games than that, uh, uh, about ten years ago or so, Ben Foster in in, in goal. They definitely seem to be. You know, we, we, we're talking about the, the last group players. We're thinking they should be part of the first choice uh, and first. You know, 17 who are going to be playing week in, week out. Those two definitely feel like players that are bought to, to guarantee first starts. Yeah, I think, you know, talk going back to what you were talking to Jordi about, I do feel there's an element of the Pozzos occasionally throwing as much mud as they can and seeing how much sticks. You know, we have had a number of players that have come in, haven't really seen much game time. Didier and Dong last season yeah. would be one of those, was the, probably one of the more strange loan signings that we had. And, you already there mentioned Luca Becchio, who's had a few minutes on the field, but I'm not sure whether he will work out. We'll have to wait and see. But definitely Delafay, who showed in the seven games I think he got last season before the injury kind of curtailed his campaign and he obviously came back towards the end. I think he showed what he can do. A good mate of mine works at Everton Football Club and he said that Jerry, as they call him, um, 
he really showed that he's got potential, but it never really kind of worked out. He obviously went off to Barcelona. I think that was always going to be a little bit of a step too far. I'm not quite sure why Barcelona decided to take him over there. But I think we saw glimpses of what he will be able to do for us. I think that Chelsea game in particular, he ran the show when we beat them 4-1. So I, I'm excited to see how he can do. I think with him wide out on the right, I think he's an upgrade on, on what we've had over the last, certainly the last couple of years in, in Andre Carrillo and Nordin Amrabat. So I'm hopeful that he can, you know, not only score some goals, but su- supply some as well. And then we know what Ben Foster's capable of. We've seen him over the last decade in the Premier League. We saw him ourselves firsthand for two years in the mid to late 2000s in the promotion season. Then the one year we had in the Premier League under A.D. Boothroyd. And we've seen him at Manchester United, Birmingham and West Brom. Consistently been one of the best goalkeepers in this country. I know he's only got, I think, England uh, eight England caps. But I think if he'd not announced his retirement when he did, I think he would have probably had more. We get a, a keeper with huge experience. He's 35. I think he signed a two-year contract. OK, 35 to a lot of people is, is past it, but we know. No, 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 no. Not quite yet, not quite no, yet. Not, not quite yet. yet. That's my age, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Believe me, it doesn't come from me. But that, for a lot of goalkeepers, that's their prime. Yeah. You know, we could potentially, I think it's two-year contract with the option of a third year. So... I think we're going to get three very good years out of Ben Foster. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is, OK, there's definitely some bitterness from West Brom fans because I know that he obviously decided that he wasn't going to go on this camp that they had before he signed for us. And I think he said back in April that he would stick with them when they were confirmed as relegated. There's also some people saying that his knees are shot. Now, I know that he had a few knee injuries when he was with us 10 years ago, so... If he's not been able to sort those out, it may well be that we don't get Ben Foster every game this season. But as long as we've got a decent backup, then I'm not really concerned by that. If he can play 30, 35 games a season, then we've got a really good goalkeeper that will save us more points than he concedes. So I'm really pleased to see him back. For me, he sort of feels a little bit more, a little bit younger than Gomez, where when we first signed Gomez, he was there to, to lift a squad in many ways in terms of seniority to get us promoted. And Ben sort of does that as well. He has the experience and I think he'll be one of those sort of you know, captains within the squad uh, that will help things out. Like you say, he might not start every game, but in many ways, what we haven't done in terms of our goalkeeping is really have that good, strong transition. And I think with Ben being the age he is, and even if he does get injuries... Pontus, are we calling him Pontus, the, the, the very light-haired Swedish player who also didn't play for the team that lost today. Um, it sort of seems to me that, that there could be opportunities there for what you would call a good transition uh, rather than throwing a young player in at the deep end in the Premier League. Actually, we can put him uh, and transition him over the next season or next two seasons um, where him and Ben are really competing, I think, for, for that, that number one, number one jersey. Jordy, why are, are you happy, though? With the signings we've made so far? Uh, so far. <laughs> I, I still think there's gaps to fill in the squad. Uh, I think you make, it's a fair point around a goalkeeping situation. Obviously, Gomez is still on our books, but potentially looking like he might want to, he might go back to Brazil or, or move on. Um, Backman's there as well as a kind of, I guess, a third choice. And Dalberg, we'll have to see. I guess part of it is how good he is as a goalkeeper. Part of it is how good is he as a, as a human being, adapting to living in a new country at a young age. And all those things that we don't consider about footballers so I think it'd be nice for him to learn in the background a little bit and practice with Ben Foster and train with him and I think I think Ben Foster will look ahead and say that like you say this is a transitional job my, my essentially got a hand a baton over at some point so he's not a 25 year old keeper who's looking at Dalberg as some kind of competitor who's going to put him out of a job in a few years I think Ben knows that he's getting older I think um, 
midfield, if we say someone goes, people talk about Pereira going potentially. If he goes, we need do we need someone to replace him? Was that Semmer's job? Are we confident enough that Semmer will do it? But I mean, the kind of not the elephant in the room, but potentially the elephant-sized hole in our squad is up front. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and none of the strikers really kind of made it their own last season. They all got different strengths, but consequently, all got weaknesses. And they don't. If we, if we had a combination of our three strikers, you might say, you know what, that that would be quite useful. But depending on what formation he wants to play next season, obviously he's going to have some exciting wingers, a decent midfield. You know, likes passing around. But uh, yeah, people say give Andre Gray another year. Some people like Okaka, but he seemed to fall out of favour. Obviously, Dini, the minute he leaves, you know, social media, was, at least in Hartford, is going to break down. Um, so I think, it, you know, it, it's interesting to see what they do. Are, are certain players prepared to play second fiddle if we bring someone else in? But I think we certainly need someone. We haven't really had a proper goal scorer um, in, the, in the Premier League, I'd say. I'm trying to think who we've had up front. Um, Igalo for a little bit of time, but not for yeah, the whole season. Yeah, Igalo was more like kind of a, he'd done it in the Championship and he kind of carried it on in the Premier League. We had a, that first season with, De- with you know, I think that came against Stoke where it kind of clicked and then we got worked out after a few months. So whether that was a purple patch, I think the World Cup showed that Igalo's a decent striker, but he's not, yeah. not quite you know, where we want to be going forward. So I think, I think we need to find someone who does that job and they're obviously not hen's teeth. Uh, and every country in the world, every team in the, country, in the world wants a player who can stick the ball in the back of net. Our job is to find one uh, who can fit into our system. But I think that's centre back. Obviously, is a situation that you know we had, everyone kind of said we had injuries. I'd still, li- I'd still like to see. I mean, Cabaselli could have gone to the World Cup with you know Belgium, very close going with a team that's already in the semi-finals and played very well. So he's a good standard. Uh, obviously, Wilmot, unknown quantity. We've got lots of other defenders who are kind of maybe past their peaks somewhat Hoban's been injured for a long time not quite sure whether he's going to be able to come back to. so I'd like to have at least three centre-backs that I could really rely on and then I don't know whether Navarro can play at centre-back but yeah, yeah so whether that's going to be his first choice position but I'd rather make sure we had enough centre-backs and certainly a centre-forward yeah, yeah, I think the big thing for me is, like you say if, if Peñaranda did go to Torino as, as sort of been put in, in, in the rumour mill I still think we'd be alright if we stay fit if we don't get a couple of injuries and that's where we really fell over last year when we had Chalabar out and then Cleverly if it was one of them it would be it wouldn't have been anywhere near the same sort of feeling yes we could still lose Decore but I, I maybe mean, even the same again for the centre-backs a, a fitness thing a little bit more fitness for them all and a little bit better maybe even a bit more organised it would be a better Watford team but still the biggest gap is that one up front? What will happen? There's still when is it? When, we can only bring players in until the first game of the season. Is that right? 9th of August, I think. I think you can sell players up to the 31st, but you can't replace them. So I think it's the 9th of August before the first game. Yeah. In many ways, that's the great thing, Kieran, about the, the the business Watford have been doing. They're all in with the first week of training starting. Um, bar that brilliant striker who's still yet to sign, they, they, Watford are doing the business. And they've done the business early doors in previous seasons as well, haven't they? I think the one area as as we've already described I think we need a number nine but it's good that while a lot of teams are probably still scouting at the World Cup we've been working behind the scenes and and getting our business done early so those players can come in pre-season early there's no excuses for when that first game comes up that they're not familiar with each other because they've all been there from the beginning of July so I'm pleased with what we've done I still think that there's gaps like Geordie said but I'm quietly optimistic that we'll have a, a decent start at least. A good squad, some good predictions from Jason. This is a great season to come. Hey, 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 hey,
A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Uh, the World Cup, as we've, we've, we've talked about, this isn't a World Cup podcast, uh, but a couple of friends of, uh, from the Rookery End, uh, DCW, uh, who has hosted and co-hosted the, the podcast on a few occasions, and also Kelly Summers, uh, a Watford girl, who uh, has been uh, has hosted the show on a few occasions. Uh, out at the World Cup, uh, David would talk sport, uh, this is his normal job, uh, and Kelly's been, uh, been a presenter for Australian television. Uh, we got them to send us a quick message about, about what their time uh, out there in the, uh, the cold of Russia uh, has been like. Hello, it's David Cameron Walker here. I'm in Russia. I'm in Samara for the World Cup and I'm with another fellow from the Rookery End. Friend from the Rookery End, Kelly Summers. Hello, you sound so surprised to be here in Russia. Yep, I'm here in Russia. This is stop 13 of my whirlwind tour. I'm here with Australian TV and it's been pretty incredible. Metaphorically speaking, you have covered every blade of grass, haven't you, over here in Russia? Well, this is 13 stops. I think I'm on flight 24. I'm on another one in about five hours' time, but I don't know where I am most of the time. And earlier on today, we had the, the good fortune of being in the stadium in Samara when England reached the World Cup semi-final. Can you believe it? Not really, and I don't want to make anyone feel old. I'm particularly looking at you here, Mike, but I wasn't actually alive the last time England reached a World Cup semi-final, so pretty incredible, something I never thought would happen, um, and definitely not this World Cup. I know, it's amazing. I can only imagine the scenes in Watford High Street today. I think the <laughs> pond must have been full of revellers, I imagine, at final whistle. And also, I want to know what went down at the barbecue. I think there was a bit of uh, from the Rookery and barbecue. Yeah, we were actually saying just before we recorded this, although it's incredible out here, there is a little bit of jealousy because we can sense the amazing feeling out here with the England fans, but there's not too many out here, is there? No, there aren't enough. Maybe there'll be more in the next week or so. Perhaps even a couple of the guys from the Rookery end will come out here. But it, yeah, it has been a, that, that's been the only sort of slight downside to the tournament, I think, from my perspective, is that for a variety of reasons, not enough England fans wanted to come or have subsequently managed to get out here because it has been a really brilliant tournament, hasn't it? The people have been great. The organisation's been great. It's been really friendly. The atmosphere's been great. The football's been amazing. <laughs> so it's a shame that more England fans haven't been able to get out here so far. And you know what's a real shame? I haven't seen one Watford flag yet. Seen, starting to see a few more Wolves, Shrewsbury, a lot of smaller clubs, but no Watford fans. I can only think they're preoccupied with getting ready for another big season. But no, it has been incredible. The only thing that's a real pain that I've found with all my travel is you have to go via Moscow everywhere. So again, tomorrow I'm going to St. Petersburg and you have to go via Moscow. But to be honest, with all the horror stories that were said beforehand, I'd completely take that. It's been one of the best experiences of my life. And I think pretty much there's a consensus that's the feeling. Everyone seems yeah. to say that. Yeah, we shouldn't complain, should we? One thing I have been doing, just to bring it back to Watford um, out here while watching all the various games is looking out for Watford players players with a Watford connection do you know how many we've got out here who have played for Watford at any point I'm guessing you do but everyone was laughing at me within my Australian crew they didn't have a clue who Odio Nogalo was and I was so excited well Nogalo is one of them indeed uh, Not, I didn't have the best tournament really no. missed a couple of good chances <laughs> especially in that game against Argentina uh, we had who, who else we had Morocco we had Amrabat who played really well. I mean, he's still our player, right, I think? I think, yeah. who knows? Yeah, yeah. you might see him again. He played really well. Uh, we had Senegal, Mbai Niang. Now, yeah. he, scored, he scored a great goal in their first match, but he was one of the two players with the yellow cards that saw them knocked out the tournament on fair play. So... Um, I mean, quite, really tr- quite, true to, quite true to form, really, from what we, what we knew of him. Miguel Layun for Mexico. He was brilliant. Very good. against Germany and he was brilliant. Really good in that game. Probably should have scored. Ended the tournament on 
possibly a low note for him, but maybe a, a high for everyone else by stamping on Neymar <laughs> in, in, in the last 16. I uh, thought it was quite insane. We had Carrillo from Peru. He was brilliant and he also scored, I'm working for Australian TV, he scored against Australia and I, unlike my Australian colleagues against England, I did restrain myself but I was quite pleased that he got one over on them so thanks Peru, thanks. Yeah, good lad, sorry that we were, I don't think we're going to see him again. Um, and finally, England, right, two players with Watford connections in the England squad. You're going to test me now, Obviously you? Ashley Young being the first and foremost, the other one? Why can I not think of that? Do you know, I didn't know Gareth Southgate was born in Watford. Yeah, well, he's one, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that's not It's just about counts, but not Um, what I'm thinking of. You're going to, this is going to, well, I'm not going to get it. Go on, tell me. Danny Rose. Oh, I didn't even know Remember that? Yes. One month under Malky Mackay. Wow. I'd like to take credit, mind you, he hasn't really played. I I seem to remember at the time, we kind of sent him back early because we weren't happy with him. He wasn't really bothered. He wasn't putting the effort in in training. Look how far he's come now. A different man. There is also actually one final person in the England squad with a Watford connection. Have you seen him? He's been he's been quite. I was surprised to see him, but he was there today on the pitch before the game. Aidy Boothroyd. Aidy Boothroyd, under twenty one manager, but part of the camp here. How has he done that? Yeah, exactly. Another man who's come a long way. But anyway, that's that's all from us here in Russia. Um, one thing I suppose before we finish, the good thing about the World Cup is it's distracted us from another long summer of pointless transfer speculation but we've signed five players haven't we we've done a classic Watford thing again yeah. where you have to google most of them but can we I'm so excited about Ben Foster coming yes. home that is a brilliant sign and the only thing I'm sad about is what that means to Julio Gomez but probably was time for him to move on but yeah I was really excited about well, Foster's ben. coming home he is and, and could it be coming home could it it's coming home <laughs> it has been a good World Cup Michael uh, I would probably say Outside 1990, but then I was a child at that point. The best World Cup I think I've I, I, I've seen. Uh, I don't think that's just because England are in the semi-final. Definitely not because I think the fact that England are in the semis is unbelievable. And like you say, there's I mean there's people listening to this podcast who've never seen England. Well, it feels like they've never seen England win a competitive <laughs> game, let alone get to the semi-finals in a of a World Cup finals of a World Cup. So amazing from that point of view. But yeah, the tournament itself has just been really interesting, really fascinating. There's been a mixture of amazing games. There was that um, Spain Portugal early on in the game, which really in this in the tournament, which really set the tempo. There's been some upsets. Germany lost early to they lost to uh, Mexico, was it? Um, which again set the tone for for the perhaps the favourites, the natural favourites, not doing so well. And then there's been VR are and the whole sort of intrigue about about Russia and how that's going to go so all things told it's just been an amazing summer of football and of course we spoke earlier about Watford coming back to pre-season pre-season training and usually this is the moment you've been waiting for the, for the summer the summer's been dragging 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 with no football but we haven't had to give it a second thought so once the World Cup is done and our uh, guys come back for DCW comes back and Kelly comes back and I come back <laughs> oh, well, that, we'll um, get on to that one and also we must say Emma as well of course Emma Saunders yes. who is hosting the World Cup final, which is an incredible, um, uh, well, I'm sure a privilege for her, but an incredible, um, what's the word, feather in a cap. Yeah, really prestigious and, and well-deserved. So, yeah, great to, great to have Emma representing, representing Watford in the Luzhniki for the final. But once it's all done, we get, we get to focus almost uh, straight away on Watford. So it's been the most entertaining, brilliant filler, if you like. But what a, what a great tournament. I mean, I'll be the first to say that I've really fallen out of love with England over the last... 
um, four or five years. I was in Brazil last year, and that was, you know, England stunk that tournament out, and just being English was, it was an, emb- an embarrassment, really. Not, not for any other reason, the team were absolute toilet and have been for some time. So I was really went into this tournament expecting nothing for time to find us in the semi-finals of what has been an incredibly entertaining tournament. It's brilliant, isn't it? And of course, if England do win their next game in the semi-final, they'll be in the final, which you'll be going to as well, Michael. Yeah, I'll be going to, well, I'll be going to the final regardless of whether it's England because uh, those tickets aren't going back. But yeah, me and, uh, me and Andy, my brother, who's been on the pod a fair few times, we'll be out there flying out Friday morning, coming back Monday night. So chance to build up to the, the big day and enjoy a bit of Moscow. So yeah, hugely exciting. Really, really can't wait. And uh, dare say I might have a few words for the podcast for it while we're out there. Yeah, might do a little sort of a, some, a little mini podcast, of like his diary almost of, a, of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, these podcasts, uh, we, we've added a new series to them. Uh, we're starting up our series with Lionel Burney uh, called Catching Up With, and you've hopefully have already heard our, our Catching Up With, uh, Sir Nigel Gibbs. Uh, coming up uh, next week, uh, we'll be having another podcast of Catching Up With, but this time with Andy Hessen. Tyler and also already in the can uh, ready for you in the next couple of months because the podcast will come out once a month uh, is A.D. Boothroyd and then the Watford legend that is Anne Swanson thank you very much for listening Michael we've seen the season ahead from Jason we've, we've talked about the, the players uh, that we're going to have in the squad and, and, and the positivity that, that Jason and Kieran have are you honestly really well up for this season yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm glad not to be having to worry about Watford. I'm enjoying the World Cup, enjoying the summer. But when this does finish, um, and when you know August will be on upon us pretty quickly, I'm absolutely gagging to get going again with Watford. I'm um, just seeing the new kit, seeing the boys back training, seeing the guys coming back fit. Um, and it does remind you, we've got a decent squad. We've got a real chance of, of doing something in the uh, in the Premier League next season. Watford Football Club. In the Premier League, let's go at it again. Can't wait. Come on, you horns!